Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast, TCC, a home for you. All right, it's good to see everybody this morning here at Trinity Community Church. How you feeling? All right, that's good. That's good. You got to get excited. You know why? Christmas is coming. How many of you love the hot weather? How many of you prefer the autumn and the cold? May Jesus be praised. The autumn is coming. It's great. Pumpkin spice, everything. Toothpaste, everything. It's going to be great. It's good to see everybody. I'm TJ. I'm the lead guy here. Uh, Welcome to you online. Welcome to everybody in person. It's great to have you with us today uh, as we continue uh, to just do what God's asking us to do as a church, to make disciples, to spread the word. Beloved, don't forget, the church is a people, not a place. You're the church. I'm the church. Where you go, the church goes. Sometimes we think that God, you know, God's been taken out of education. God is no longer in the schools. He's in the schools. Do you know why? He's in you. Where you go, the spirit goes. That means he's everywhere. He's at the bank. He's at the McDonald's. He's even at the DMV. I know you don't think that, but it's true. He's at the DMV. I don't know if he'll help you, but he's at the DMV. Before we get rolling, <laughs> Lord, please. I, I'm still trying to figure out the number system at the DMV. Uh, we got J473, and then they call, um, you know, the SpongeBob symbol 17. What, what does all that mean? I don't understand it. Uh, one thing to put in your head real quick as we get into the fall, uh, we're going to be starting something really special on Wednesday nights called Wednesday Grow Nights. It's uh, our community night. It's an educational night. It's great. We're going to have a meal from uh, 6 to 7. Uh, you can come pre-order a meal. Uh, the well's going to put all that stuff together. It's going to be great. And then from 7 to about 8.15, we've got uh, spiritual formation for all levels. Kids have stuff. Uh, youth have, has things. We've got two adult electives. You'll be able to have a, a Bible study. I'm going to be pushing the first study out here in the main room. Uh, we also have our spiritual essentials class that's going to be going on in the cafe. It's going to be exciting. If you want to deepen your faith, if you want to be a fully devoted follower of Christ that gets stronger, deeper, and better, come to our grow nights on Wednesday night. Capiche? Good. That, that's like Italian for got it. I think it's Italian. Is that Italian? I've been saying it for years thinking it's Italian. I don't know. I'm excited because we're continuing our series uh, today, I Am, Jesus in His Own Words. And uh, today is very special. We talk about uh, who God is. Jesus is is our provider. Uh, To get us started, I want to take you back. Sometimes you have to go back before you can go forward. So we're going to go back to 19. You ready for this? Some of you weren't even alive. We're going to go back to 1991. This is Robin and I, notice Robin's hair, isn't that great? This is at Southeastern University, 1991, we just got married, we're back there on campus. Notice the jeans at the bottom, how many of you remember doing your jeans like that at the bottom? This is 90s fashion here guys, 80s and 90s fashion. Um, You could tell I still have always kept the same shape, don't know why, just how God designed me I guess. I remember, you know, when you get married, everything's new. You go through the first things new all the time. And we're down there, and I'm going to school. She had already graduated college, and she's working, and I'm doing my thing. And Christmas was coming. And, you know, all of us have got different ideas of what Christmas is. You know, some of you are big into gifts. Some of you are big in traditions. Being Greek, the most important thing that we deal with when it comes to Christmas is the food. I know it's shocking. It is, but it's the food. 
So as we were kind of steaming toward Christmas, you know this in college, we were in Florida. We weren't going anywhere. This was our home. You know, we were starting to prepare, and I realized something as I'm looking at all of our, our, our money, which wasn't much, because we're going to college and doing all the stuff. You know, Christmas was coming, but we really didn't have any money to really buy any food. You know, the cafeteria is going to be shut down because of break. So you start to think, what am I going to eat? You know, ramen noodles is a great fill-in, but not for the holidays, not for stuff. And, and I remember praying hard because I wanted our first Christmas to be really special. I remember we got our first little Christmas tree at the Dollar, the dollar General. We still have a few ornaments from it. It was that big. We, it, I still remember it was, it was $5.99. $5, not $500, $5.99. And we put our little apartment together on campus, and it was ready to go because we just didn't have anything to eat. So I prayed, and I was like, Lord, you know what? I don't know how you're going to do this, but you know our heart. You know my heart. And, and I just, man, you got to provide somehow, some way. And I was getting ready to leave. It was uh, the last day of our semester. And I was, a, I was a, a student manager at the cafeteria. And as I'm getting ready to leave, my boss pulls me in, Frank Porcelli. He says, T, he says, before you leave, he goes, I have something for you. And he hands me a frozen ham. I mean, it was like a bowling ball. It was a frozen ham. He goes, I, Merry Christmas. And he hands me this ham. And my whole world was like, this is the greatest thing ever. I had prayed about this, and God had provided. Now, the only thing that was weird about this whole process is that we had never cooked a ham. We'd always come into to the area. You know, mom was cooking a ham. Somebody was cooking a ham. So I remember taking this thing home, and we were so excited. It was going to be great. We planned all of our stuff. It was wonderful. So this thing is frozen. It's like a, brick, it's like a block of ice. So we started cooking the ham on Christmas Day, getting this thing ready. So we put it in the oven, and I'm thinking, you know, it's a solid block of ice. How long does it take to cook a ham? I don't know. An hour should be fine. So we stick it in there at like 200 degrees because we don't know what we're doing. There's no internet. How many remember life before the Google machine? There's no Google. There's like 200 should do it, right? So we put this ham in, and it's in there for an hour. It smells phenomenal. We pull it out, and we start cutting this thing. You know, it's time to eat, baby. We start cutting our ham. We get down about a half an inch, and we hit ice. And I remember that day eating that ham all day. We ate it an inch at a time. Put it back in. Okay, let's play Pull it out. Let's go. Come on. Now, I don't know if you can get worms from ham or not, but we're still here, so it's okay. But I remember specifically that night. And that night, I was just, I was in bed, and I was like thanking God. I was like, Lord, you know, we didn't have gifts. We didn't have presents. We had a ham that we had to eat an inch at a time. But it was like the greatest Christmas in the world. And I was like, Lord, I don't know how you know this stuff. I don't know how you know how to get to my heart. But you did. And I remember him whispering to me, say, son, I'm going to take care of all of your needs. I'm your provider. And that day I learned something. You know, our relationship with God, you know, Jesus, God is like a diamond. And as you see all the cuts of a diamond, as it, as it turns, as, as it rotates, as the light catches every cut of the diamond, you see a different part of that, that diamond. It reflects beautifully. That's how our connection is with the Lord. Every time he connects with us in a different way, we see a different facet of who he is. That day, I understood clearly what it meant that Jesus was my provider because he provided for my physical needs. How can you really know Jesus is your provider until you find yourself in a position of lack? How can you know Jesus is your healer until you find yourself in a position where you're sick? How can you know Jesus as your peace until you find yourself in a place where you're troubled? Does that make sense? And every time we encounter him like that, it gives us a different understanding of who he is, how complete he is, and how wonderful he is. So this entire season, we've been looking at all the
the different facets of who God is. From Jesus' own words, we've got seven things, seven I am's that he proclaimed. I am the bread of life. I am the vine. You're the branches. All of these different things, you know, I am, I am the shepherd. Today we take another step. There's parts of things that Jesus declared about himself, and there's other things that God established as his name. For example, today we're going to look at what does it mean that God is our provider, or if you look at the actual name that they call him, they call him Jehovah, God, Jireh. What does it mean that he's our provider? If you've got your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Again, if you have our Trinity app, if you click on the app and you see uh, the sermon stuff, you get all my sermon notes. If you've got the U version of the Bible, you click on live events, you'll see Trinity, you get all my sermon notes. It's a great way to follow along. This is what Philippians 4.19 says. I'm going to read it from two different versions to get us launched into the water this morning. But let me just say this first. Some of you are here today and you are struggling because there are parts of your life that seem like they're out of control. There's parts of your life you don't know what to do. You have relational issues. You have issues with your physical provision. Some of you are even here and you have, you have issues because you don't even know from a, a spiritual standpoint where you stand. Today, allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart, to unlock your heart, and get to know who Jesus is as your provider. This is Philippians 4.19. It says this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. How many of you know that that's true? This is the same passage in the uh, Passion Translation. It says this, I am convinced that my God will fully satisfy Every need you have, for I've seen the abundant riches of the glory revealed to me through Jesus Christ. I love the way it puts it. He will fully satisfy every need you have. The God that we serve is not the God that just gives you survival. He's the God that satisfies every need that you have fully. He's the God that gives you his credit card says, you take your car to the gas and you fill that sucker up. Don't put in $20, you fill it up. $20 gets you what now? Like a gallon and a half, right? He gives you more than you need. That's what God does. What an amazing verse. He fully satisfies us. But there's a catch, like most things with God. In order to experience God's provision that fully satisfies you, you have to let him. You have to have a posture where you let him provide for you. How often do we try to do things in our own strength, in our own power, and we just, you know, God just sits there and he waits till we tire ourselves out and then we come and help. How many of you remember having children and they get to their little me-do stuff and you just got to wait them out sometimes? Sometimes God has to wait us out, right? Last year we were uh, getting ready for uh, our family fest, our first ever family fest. And uh, we had our elders... Daybreak, walking the grounds, praying. So we're walking the grounds, we're praying all over the land. It's a beautiful morning. And as we're walking around, I think it's toward that area back there, we hear this clicking sound. Click, 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 click. As we get closer, one of the guys go back there and they said, hey, there's a deer caught in the fence back here. You can see a picture. Will you go back to the one slide real quick? You can see him caught in a, is it gross? Like some of the guys are like, I can, you've seen Rambo 4. This is fine. Okay, you can go, Rob says it's sad, or Tori says it's sad. So we see this, this deer caught in the fence, 
And he's obviously stuck. He's been there all day. So he doesn't know what to do. So he's, he's flipping around. So the guys, you know, we got Dr. Dan Elliott. We got Dan Lumpkin. We got, you know, uh, we got Neil, who's a physical therapist. They're looking at the, at the deer from a, philo- you know, a, a physiological thing. How do we do this? What do we do? And eventually we go get a saws on. We realize this. In order to, to help the deer, we've got to cut the deer free. So the deer does not know what's going on. The only thing that the deer knows is that these people that are usually trying to hunt them are coming toward them with a saw. If I'm at the Acme looking at the cherries and you come at me with the saw to save me, but I don't know you're saving me from something, I might be a little disturbed. So this deer is experiencing these things. And what's funny is as Dan and these guys are cutting the fence to get the deer free, the deer is losing its mind. It's freaking out. It's going crazy because that's just what it does. It doesn't know it can't help itself. It kicks against the goat. It fights against everything. But eventually they cut through the fence. The deer is free. And then he starts to realize, oh, that's what it's like. Sometimes, beloved, we're like that deer. We find ourselves in situations that we can't get out of. We try our best to get out of them with our own intellect, with our own, our own you know, muchismo. But we just can't. And God, time and time again, sends provision. He sends help to us. But sometimes we repel those things. And how do you repel usually the help of God? Worry. How many of you are professional worriers? I mean, you've got worst-case scenario, and then you've got worst-case scenario. You know? Do you, you know anybody like that? I remember, he's going to be so bad when I say this, <laughs> but I'm going to say it because it's such a good story. My brother, my brother and sister-in-law, they're getting ready to get vaccinated. They've got a little girl, my niece, that uh, is, uh, she's got some heart conditions, so they want to protect themselves. So my brother was nervous about getting the shot. So we talked. I said, brother, hey, it's your conviction. If the Holy Spirit's telling you to do it, you do it. So the day he's getting ready to get the shot, my brother can be nervous every once in a while. He called me up and goes, TJ, I need to talk to you. I said, what's going on? He goes, well, he goes, I got to go down to the city. He lives in Chicago. I got to go in the city to get the shot because I'm nervous. I said, Tim, we talked about this. You're going to get the shot. It's going to be fine. He goes, no, no, I'm not nervous about the shot. I said, what are you nervous about? He goes, what if this is all a ploy? I said, what do you mean? He says, what if this is all a ploy? And if I go down to the city and it's really a van and they're going to harvest my organs and sell them. I said, Tim, I don't even know how to respond to that. I, there's nothing I got in my pastoral bag that can put a Band-Aid over that. I don't know what to tell you. He goes, but what if it could, could it happen? And I go, yeah, it could happen. <gasps> what, what, what am I going to say? Like, yeah, you know, come on. Some of us, I mean, you can worry and then you can worry. Do you know when you worry to the extreme, you, uh, you stop the activation of God's provision in your life? You do. It's okay to worry. I get it. But guys, when you worry and try to take things into your own hands, you get between God and the provision that he wants to provide for you. I'm not telling you don't do anything, but what I am telling you is this. Don't lose your minds. God will provide. He's Jehovah Jireh, right? It's just what he does. So when you talk about God's provision, there's three main ways that God provides for us as believers. The first is this. He provides for our essential needs. What are your essential needs? Those are your physical needs. This is your food, your clothing, your shelter. God wants to take care of those aspects of your life, the things that you need, human existence. He's concerned for those things. And by the way, because God is concerned with your food, clothing, and shelter, we as believers are also concerned with people's food, clothing, and shelter. It's what we do. Why? Because we're about our Father's business. We are. 
God takes care of us. We take care of others. It's part of how, how it works. So God is concerned with your physical needs. His heart is that you would be taken care of physically. Now, sometimes people teach, especially in the church world, that these physical things are evil and they're terrible and we should stay away from all those things. Beloved, stuff is not bad as long as your stuff doesn't control your life. When your stuff becomes greater and bigger and more powerful than anything else in your life, then it, then it veers and it's bad. When your material needs start to consume you, they start to consume your, your, your thoughts and they start to steer the direction of your heart, something is out of alignment. And you need to allow God to fix those things. That's when you get yourself in trouble, beloved. When it all becomes a paycheck. When it all becomes about that money. Now, have you ever been so worried about your material needs that you've seen it start to affect your life? All the stuff. And with your stuff comes what? The thought process of how people perceive you and your stuff. Robin and I, are we are uh, hospitable people. We love hospitality. We love people coming to the house. We just have always done that. Um, so we always have gatherings of people coming over. At some point, almost everybody in this room will, will be at our house. Why? Because it's just what we do. I remember when my father came to live with us, that would freak him out. Because for my dad, everything had to be perfect. We're people like, hey, come on over. We're going to have some hamburgers, have some dogs. Come in, grab something. If you don't see something there, open up a cupboard, find it. If we got it, use it. If we don't, bring it with you next time. One of those kind of things. So for us, hosting is very easy. Whatever we have, we give. Because we don't provide for all these things for ourselves. We are simply, you know, we, we, just, we just kind of manage the provision that God gives us. Do you know that God has given you everything you have for a reason? He has. And my dad freaked out. No, oh, it's not going to work. We're all going to die. You've got 20 people coming over. Dad, it's going to be fine. And we'd come and we'd have our little events. We'd have our gatherings. And people would leave. My dad would sit there. We'd sit there at the little breakfast nook. We'd drink coffee. And he'd say, well, that wasn't too bad. <laughs> and it was funny. By the time we had our next little gathering, he went into total freak out mode. Almost as if he forgot about the provision of the event before. Isn't it funny how forgetful we are as people sometimes? When has God, has God not provided for you? When has God not taken care of your needs? If he did it before, why won't he do it again? Does that make sense, beloved? Are you with me? Some of you are looking at me like, oh, where's this going, pastor? <laughs> Don't get stressed out over things that God has already handled. Don't take little things and make them big things. You are intimately connected to the creator of the universe, to Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Everybody say, my provider. He provides for you. Live like that. This is what Matthew 6.31 says. So then, forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? Verse 32. For that is what unbelievers chase after. Did you hear that? We don't chase after those things. That's what unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things that your body requires? This is important. Verse 33. Some of you need to put this on your, your, your bathroom window or your bathroom mirror in the morning so you see this. So above all, consistently seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Not just enough, abundantly. God will take care of you. So we, we believe this as believers, that God just won't provide for you, 
But he'll also, if you have the right posture, he'll provide for others through you. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why does God bless me? Why does he bless you? Well, why do you bless others? Most of us, when you bless others, you bless others because you love them. You care for them. God blesses you because he loves you. But understand this, beloved. He doesn't bless you just so you could keep everything together. Again, God is always a river. He's never a pond. Things go into a pond to die. God always gives us something to pass along something else. Eternal life is ours to enjoy, but it's also ours to pass along. Provision is ours to enjoy, but also ours to pass along. Do you know that you are the answer to somebody else's prayer? You are. Somebody praying right now, Lord, I need you. If I, if I had $20 to put gas, I'm not going to be able to get to the You know, God says, TJ, I need you to give that person $20. You actively participate in the answer of somebody's prayer. You do when we do that. So the posture of a believer, us, is the posture of generosity. God blesses us so that we can show others the goodness of Christ. Believers, we understand that our stuff doesn't own us. We manage it for God. This is what 2 Corinthians 9 says. Here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Did you see that? If you give because, oh, I just got to give. Here's my tithe check. There I go. The motive of your heart matters to God. Let me say that again. The motive of your heart matters to God. It's not about your stuff. He wants your heart way more than anything else. Let giving flow from your heart, not from your sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving because God loves hilarious generosity. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so you'll have more than enough of everything. Every moment, in every way, he will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing that you do. Look at verse 9. Just as the scripture says about the one who trusts him. Because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. Verse 10, this generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant toward you. First he supplies every need, plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it, so that the harvest, so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. Whew. That is a powerful compacted, intense paragraph of promises, isn't it? Beloved, have a posture of generosity. And I'm not just talking about what you do here at the church. I'm talking about everywhere you go. Be generous. Look for ways to bless people. Don't look for ways to hold on to your stuff. Your stuff someday will be in somebody else's hands. Your money's going to somebody else. Some of your relatives are praying for an early demise. <laughs> I like that car. That house that you're in right now, somebody else someday will have the keys to that house. Not you. Look for ways to bless people. The more you keep a posture of generosity, the more God provides for your needs. And the more things flow through you. Why? He can trust you. 
How cool would it be somebody that God can trust? If he could trust you with $20, then he could trust you with $50, then he could trust you with $100, 1000 10000 a million. I want to be somebody that God can trust. I remember when we were, uh, we had just moved to Denver from, from Chicago, and we were getting the kids ready for school. At that point, we had three kids getting ready for school. I'm old enough to remember the days before we had to go buy school supplies. How many of you remember going to school and everything you needed was right? Your tax dollars paid for the school supplies. That doesn't happen anymore. So every school district is different. We went from Chicago that was a pretty, pretty decent on the outside of Chicago school district to ours uh, in Denver was a little bit less funded. So our school supply list looked like a scroll from like an Old Testament movie. It was huge. So, you know, we... we we were freaking out trying to figure out how we're going to get enough money to pay for all the school supplies for the kids because all of you that have little kids, we know that when school times comes, there's one goal, to get them out of your house and to get them into a school somewhere. We don't care where the school's at. Afghanistan, that's fine. Just get them out. So Robin was at our Kmart when Kmart was rolling, and she's doing the stuff, and she's getting all the school supplies, and she's not looking, but as she's moving through the stuff, the, the pile's getting bigger and bigger. And, bigger. and she's already starting to get nervous because she's like, man, this is going to be tight. This is going to be tight. So she gets in line, and she goes to grab the checkbook, and she realizes that she forgot the checkbook. Have you ever done that? She got her money. She's in line. It's like Sunday night. School's on Monday. She doesn't know what to do, and she's starting to freak out. And this guy behind her says, says, says ma'am, don't take this the wrong way. I just feel like I need to buy all your stuff. She's no, 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 you can't. I'll be fine. I'll be because No, 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 please. Let me, let me just take care of all your stuff. So eventually, Robin, hello, she took her hands off of it, and the guy bought all of her kids' school supplies. I don't even know who they are. Still, I still remember the, the amount, $150 of school supplies. We got, I mean, all of our kids are small. And she comes to the house. She's got all the bags, and, and, and she's, she's crying. She's like, you know, you know, I can't even understand. She said, it, it, was, it was beautiful. It was amazing. What, what, what happened? What happened? She told me the story, God's provision. God provides. He takes care of the things that, guys, sometimes we're not even aware of. Now, as believers, we don't just receive that, but we per participate in that too. We are actively, we're actively involved in, in generosity from the kingdom. We look for ways to bless others. This is what we do. Again, this is why we don't just give money to the church, but we also bless our community. This is also why, as a church, we have a, a posture of generosity where we bless all the community around us. I know you don't think it's, 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 you think it's far away, but it's not. For example, Family Fest is coming. Now, what is Family Fest? Family Fest is something that we do for our community. It's a safe place for people to come on Halloween night. Uh, if you were here last year at Family Fest or the egg hunt, you know, the egg hunt, we had about 3,000 people here. Families, they can come and they can play games, they can eat food, they can go down inflatable slides. We have giveaways, we have bikes, we've got all these wonderful things. This year for Family Fest, we have a corn maze that I was lost in last week back there. There's deer back there too, Craig. There's deer back there. Hay rides, all this stuff. Absolutely free. Why is it free? Because we love our community. We love God and people extravagantly. We don't do the bare minimum. We love extravagantly, which means if this is the line of love, we step over here, we do it more and more and more. 
Because that's what God does for us, so we pass generosity along to others. So again, in about a month, we're going to start asking for you to support this free event for our community. Why? Because we are hilarious givers. We give generously. Look at that. It looks like a, like a scene from Braveheart. Last year, for the egg hunt, we had 110 volunteers. 110 serve people. That means we're going to need your help, too. We're going to need your muscle as well. Why? Because we give generously. So we know this. God provides for our essential needs. Second, God also provides for our emotional needs. Do you know that God is concerned about your emotions? He is. He gave you your emotions for a reason. Think about this. Oh, gosh. Sometimes I think the Lord looks at us as churches and goes, oy vey. Think about this. Most churches in the world, when you go into church, what do we ask you as, as leaders? Shut those emotions down. Right? You come in and say, it's as stoic as possible. Now, nobody move. Every once in a while, you're going to stand, you're going to kneel, you're going to stand, you're going to kneel, kneel. No, no, stand. And, you, and we respond. We all say the same thing over you know, and all that. Uh, who gave you your emotions? Why would God give you a gift of emotions and then tell you, by the way, don't use that. By the way, don't ever smile, don't ever laugh. This is not a place of happiness. It's a place of pain. I remember when we first got to our church in Wisconsin. Oh, God bless them. It's about 80 people. German, German people. Ein, you know, German people. Cold, weathered people. And I don't know if you know this about me or not, I use humor to help to deliver God's word. And I remember I came right out of the gate with something that I thought was hilarious. <laughs> to loosen everybody up. And they looked at me, and I was like, then I'm pop. And it was like, blink, 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 blink. And, you know, I think I heard one guy in the back go, hoi, hoi, hoi. You know, I was like, way in the back. I went, oh, here we go. It took us a while. We actually had a parishioner there. <laughs> so funny. He'd been coming for about a month, and he, he felt guilty. He goes, because I come to church, and I like coming to church. And I like it so much, and I laugh, and I enjoy it so much. It's like it can't be right. It's like ice cream or candy. I, you, it can't be right. So he called his mom. He's like, Mom, is this okay? He's like, 50. He's like, Mom, is this okay? She's like, yeah, it's okay to have joy in church. God gave you your emotions. It's okay to interact with him emotionally. He cares about what you feel. He cares about the condition of your heart. God is interested in providing for your emotional needs. Why does God, why is he concerned with your emotions? Because your emotions help you to become who God created you to be. It helps your perception. Emotions can help to shape who you are, and alter the course of your life. They can. The things that people speak to you emotionally can shape the posture of your life. Um, I remember, you know, when I started to feel the call to ministry, the way to do what we do, you know, some people don't know, well, how do you become a pastor? Well, we do what you guys do. You have to go to school. You learn all pastoral things. You may not learn, I may not learn pre-calculus or calculus or all these other things, but I learned, you know, how to break down the word different languages, how to deliver the word, all these things. And I remember when I sat down with my parents to tell them that I was going to go to, to college to do this, my father laughed. He did. Oh, that's crazy. 
And the reason he laughed is because in my, my father, how many of you have maybe a parent or relative and maybe they don't speak life into you? They're, they could find some of the, you know, the, the tougher parts of you. Now, I didn't know this at the time, but I was just built to learn a little differently. I knew this when I went to school to do what I do now because I came alive. But up to that point, there were other things that just did not interest me that much. And I remember growing up, education was, was tough for me. And my dad spoke over me many times. By the way, be careful what you speak over your children. He spoke over me many times. You're just not smart enough. You're just dumb. You're just a hammerhead. Why would you do it like that? For years, 18 years. So I go off to college. I'm the first Harris to ever go to college. And I was 100% sure I was going to fail because I believed emotionally that I was lesser than everybody else. I wasn't built for this. So I go to school, and I'm studying that first semester, and I'm terrified. I've got to stay in here as long as I can because I know it's only a matter of time before I just get washed out. And I still remember, you know, I study like crazy. Everybody go out and have fun in college. Not me. I'm in there studying. And I remember getting my transcripts back for my first semester grades, and I had a 4-0. And this is, the, I, I'm ashamed to say this. For the first time in my life, this thought came over my head. TJ, perhaps you're not stupid. All because of the things that were spoken over me. Emotionally. Now, God knew exactly where I was at. So not only did God help me in that moment, just he to me, but God also brought into my life a spiritual father, Frank Porcelli, the guy that helped to, 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 to run that that cafeteria, and he met with me for four years, and he rebuilt me and helped me to see myself the way that God sees me emotionally. Not just physically, but in here. How many of you know that this gray matter sometimes give you problems? God cares for your emotional things. Some of you have had worse stories than I just shared with you. Understand this, the God we serve is a God of restoration. He's a God of redemption. Even if these things were spoken over your life, they don't have to have power over you. God comes, he redeems, he restores, and he sets your life back on pace exactly where it's supposed to be if you let him. For some of you, you need to take your ears, get them off of those people that are telling you all the things you're not, and you need to cement your identity in God and start to believe you are all the things that he says about you. Does that make sense? If your friends and family keep tearing you down, you know, don't shut them out, but find some new people to listen to, people that will build you up. Speak to the possibility, your destiny, not to your limitations. Does that make sense? Then maybe someday you, like me, could be a chunky Greek with a Hawaiian shirt Speaking to you. It can happen. Live the dream. Our emotions, the way we think, when it's off, sometimes it can shape things and make things bigger in your mind than you realize. It can. So God in his love and his mercy comes and he gives us what we need to provide for our emotional needs at our lowest times. He does. This is what Psalm 34, 18 says. When someone is hurting or brokenhearted, the eternal moves in close and revives him in his pain. I love that. God just doesn't email you a solution. He moves in close and revives you. Does God take you out of your pain? No, what's that say? He revives you in the midst of your pain. Your pain doesn't, it doesn't frighten God. 
He doesn't say, well, let's, let's get to, come, come on, quick, run, run. God doesn't do that. God says, come here, stand right here. Grab my hand. Let's face, we're going to face this together. We're going to deal with this. Because once you deal with it, it's done. The God that we serve has enough power to deal with the now. Let's deal with it, right? He moves us close. And he gives us the best thing that he has. Himself. You have access to him. He doesn't have a solution. He is the solution. You have access to the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That's enough, beloved. That's enough to heal. That's enough to restore. That's enough to put your feet back on a firm foundation and move you forward. The God we serve, Jehovah Jireh, is enough. So some of you, man, just in this moment, you've got to let go of those things. I know that sometimes those pains and those hurts and that emotion or trauma, they can define you. You have to make a decision. These things will not define me anymore. God will define me. Let it go and move on. Become. You're a human being. Be. Woo, that was good. Some of you are like, some of you are starting to sniff, which is great. You're getting this, and some of you are like, I got to get out of here. This is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I love this. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing, but be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faithful request before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life, then God's wonderful peace, everybody say peace, peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Your peace is your emotions. God says, again, what does he say? Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. What does that mean? Be connected to the vine. Prayer is not something you just do through the day. Prayer is your posture through the day. We're connected to the vine. We're close. And if you do that, his peace goes before you and guards your ear. That's what he does. So are you here or are you struggling today? You're struggling emotionally. You need to experience God's peace. You need God to put things back together in you. Do me a favor. Bow your head just for a second. Let's pause. Let's give the Holy Spirit a moment to speak to us emotionally, to speak to those things that try to rob our peace. Again, the Holy Spirit speaks to you just like he speaks to me. So just right now, just pray to the Spirit. Say, say Holy Spirit, Will you show me the things that you want to heal inside of me emotionally? I believe that you provide for my emotions. I believe you provide restoration for my emotions, for my, my past, for all those things. And just right now, invite him. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come to bring not just healing, but restoration. I want things to be better than they were. And just listen for the Spirit to speak to you right now. God is enough. He's enough. Okay, let's finish this up. So we know that God is called Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is. He provides for us. He provides for, again, our essential needs. He takes care of our material needs. 
He provides for us emotionally. He cares about how we think. He cares about how we feel. He, he cares about peace. The peace in your heart, he cares about those things. Here's the last way that he provides for us. He provides for us eternally. He takes care of our eternal needs. He deals with the spirit man. You understand this, beloved, don't you? You are not a body with a soul. You're a soul that is wrapped in a body. Did you hear me? You were built eternally. The soul endures. God didn't take the body and say, there's the soul. Before the foundations of the world were laid, he knew you. I don't think he had a warehouse of bodies. Give me the chunky Greek one. I don't think he did that. I think you existed as you are. He did. So he takes care of our spiritual needs. He didn't just come to affect the parts of us that you can see. He also came to provide for all of the things that you need from a spiritual perspective. Now, for us as believers, and those that are here at church today, maybe you've never made a commitment of faith, we're also talking about salvation, being spiritually awakened, being made right again with the Father. He cares about those things. Acts 4.12 says this, There's no one else who has the power to save us, for there's only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. He said this in Romans 3.22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is, a, this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. This is Jesus providing for our spiritual needs. Jehovah Jireh taking care of your spiritual needs. He is the door for us to be with God forever. He heals our spiritual condition. So we accept this invitation by making a decision to follow him. And when you do that, reconciliation comes between you and the Father, and we become the people that he created us to be. Romans 10.9 puts it this way. It says this, And what is God's living message to us? It's the revelation of faith for salvation, which is the message that we preach. For if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. Now, some of you are here and you know about God, but you don't know him. You've not taken that step to experience salvation, eternal life. Do me a favor, bow your heads one more time. If you're here today and you need to experience God in that way, you've never declared that Jesus is Lord in your life. You've never asked him to come into your life. You've never asked him to be a part of you and, and allowed him to shift things in your life. This is your opportunity to come into alignment with God and to allow him to provide for you spiritually. If that's you, just lift your hand. I just want to see who you are. I'm going to pray with you. That's it. At the end of the service... For all of you that lifted your hands, come on down, and when you come with, to pray with somebody, tell them, say, man, I, I want to know who Jesus is, and we're going to pray with you, so that your heart and your life will come into spiritual alignment with him. All right, let's keep going. We're going to bring this home now. Now, when it comes to provision, God just doesn't provide the door for us to be saved. For us as believers, he provides the power you need to live the life that he's called you to live to become the person he desires you to be. How many of you struggle with your faith from time to time? How many of you struggle to be the person that God created you to be? Sometimes, how many of you step in it every once in a while? 
You know, when that lady in the Wendy's kind of gets irritated with you? You know, Toby and I, we went to the Eagles game this week. I don't know if you all, did you guys see the Eagles game? They were playing this team from, um, where, Chris, where are they from? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And they were playing a team from Pittsburgh. And it was phenomenal until we had to get something to eat. The lines were like, I think the lines were in Topeka. I was out there. It was so bad. I was in line with the lady, and I guess I was complaining a little bit. Do you ever complain? And I was complaining so much. She goes, here, and she handed me a bag of Doritos in line waiting to get food at the Eagles game. She goes, here, sir. She goes, you need these. So you know what I did? I ate them. <laughs> and I got my little pizza. This is bad stuff. Yeah, I, I was fine. I was, I was hangry. You ever, be, you ever hangry? Again, everybody's short-staffed, but I was not as Christ-like as I needed to be. Sometimes we struggle with our faith. We struggle to be who God's created us to be. Let me encourage you. Beloved, sometimes we try to do too much in our own power, and we don't allow the Holy Spirit to form us. This is 2 Peter 1.3. It says this. Everything. Everybody say everything. Say it again. Everything we could ever need for a life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. Everything you need to live and to be godly, to be who he created you to be, has already been deposited inside of you. He didn't say you're going to find it. He didn't say it's somewhere. I put it somewhere like my coffee cup. It's somewhere in the house. He says it's already in you. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him, who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. God has given you everything you need to be the people that he created you to be. So if this is true, why do we still struggle sometimes in our, pro in our process of being like him? We struggle because many times we try to live spiritually through human power. You can't take human tools and do a spiritual job. You can't fight a spiritual enemy with human weapons and knowledge. And you can't live spiritually just by having the right sayings and the right things. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to stir you. You have to allow the Word to come in and to move inside of you and to, to take root and to grow so that the spirit man can become who it's supposed to be. When you try to live a life for God on your own, in your own strength and your power, apart from him, beloved, you will fail. You'll be frustrated, and some of you will turn away. There's a difference in what you bring to the table and what the Holy Spirit brings to the table. There's like another gear. I remember before the pandemic, I would swim three, four days a week to stay in shape. I get great workouts out of swimming because I'm a terrible swimmer. So when you get in the pool like me and you're in there for an hour, imagine trying to not die for an hour. That's a workout. It's true. So I'm swimming in the pool and there's an older lady who's in the pool before me. And you know, <clears throat> I'm a guy, which means this, everything is a competition. Even if the lady's 100 years old next to me in the next lane, I don't care. It's a competition. 
So she's swimming back and forth. That's like the, the Greek, we're, we're going to do this, man. I got something to pace. I'll be easy on this lady. I'm not going to whomp her. I'm just going to do the best I can. Every once in a while, I'll slow down so she can catch up and I'll go. So I get in the pool and we start swimming. And this, this lady is like a mermaid. She's like a dolphin. And I'm swimming my little heart out, and I can't keep up. This she's like she's got like a like a like a 25 horsepower motor somewhere hidden in that suit somewhere, and she's whomping me. And I'm swimming, and I'm sweating, and I'm drowning, and I'm getting chest pains, and it's bad, and it's bad. Finally, after about a half hour in the pool, I just I just get to the side, I pull my carcass out of the pool, and I thought, TJ, you failed today. This girl, she's gonna, I don't know what she's got. You got to figure out the sports drink, whatever she's drinking. You got to find that thing. And I sit there. And she gets done with her laps, and she comes out of the pool. She takes off her flippers. She had on flippers. Cheater face. Cheater, didn't tell me. I didn't ask. Her swimming was assisted by technology. And she was faster, stronger, and much further away from death than I was. Because she had... Beloved, the Holy Spirit, Jehovah Jireh, is here to help you in your spiritual journey. It's not all on you. It's not all on your knowledge. It's not all on your strength, on your cunning, your wisdom, and your power. It's not about you. It's about the Holy the flippers. Let him help you. Step into him. This is why we stay connected with the Spirit. The Spirit, is he's not just an add-on. He's not like the Ringo star of the Trinity. You old people know exactly what I'm talking about. Seem like, who's Ringo star? Look it up on the Google machine. Look it up. The Holy Spirit helps us to live godly lives. And according to the scripture that we read, all that you need to be everything that God wants you to be has already been deposited inside of you. So it's time, beloved, to allow God to activate that power within you and be the person that God created you to be. In order to do that, it starts with the understanding of who Jehovah Jireh is. Are you trusting Jesus to provide for all that you are? Are you trusting him to provide for you all the essentials in your life, your food, your clothing, your shelter, all of the emotional parts of who you are, the way you think, even the hurts and the pains of your past. And are you trusting him with who you are eternally? Spirit man. Now we're going to do something interesting. We're going to sing a little song together. At the end of the song, Pastor Trish is going to come up and give you an opportunity. If you feel like maybe you've drifted a little bit and you need God to come in close. We as your church family are here to lock arms with you, to stand with you, and to help you connect with Jehovah Jireh, the creator of the universe. Are you ready? Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.